This is a Saddleback Church podcast. Perhaps the two things most associated with church are the Bible and music. From hymns to choirs to contemporary mainstream sounds, music has been a part of the life of the church since, well, since the very start of the New Testament church. Even in the Old Testament, songs were often written and sung as a way to worship God. Now, worship is not only about music, and we talk about that, but today's episode is largely focused on what it is about music that lends itself so well to worship. My guest today is Josh Miller. Josh is a worship leader and songwriter at Saddleback Church, and in this conversation, we talk about what worship genuinely means, the power of song as forms of of worship, and why it is that certain songs catch on with the church at large, and Josh's approach to songwriting. My name is Jason Wheeland, and this is Doable Discipleship, Saddleback Church podcast, part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Now, my conversation with Josh Miller. Josh Miller, thanks for being here today. I appreciate your time. It's good to be here, bro. So excited. I'm excited to dive into this topic of worship. We've kind of done a few episodes in the past on worship, but, but we've never really uh, taken a deeper look at kind of the heart, the spirit of worship. So I'm excited to do that today. If you wouldn't mind, I would love to start by giving our listeners a definition of worship. Because people hear worship, they think music, which... It does tend to go hand in hand, but worship as a topic is so much broader. So can you yeah. give us a working definition yeah. of worship? There are two there are two passages of scripture that I think about when I when I think about worship. Um one of them is is in Psalm thirty four, verse one, and in the message version it says, I bless God every chance I get. My lungs expand with praise. Mm. And I've always loved that that passage because Worship is a response. Mm. And when I read that, when I think about my lungs expanding, I have to um, inhale before I exhale. So I think about like the inhaling of his grace, his love, his mercy. And my exhale is my worship. Mm. So I'm a worship leader. I love to sing. So when I praise and when I worship, I'm responding to something that I've first received. Mm. So that's the first passage that I think about is my lungs expand with praise. And the second one, first John four nineteen, which a lot of people have heard this. We love because he first loved us. Again, it's another response. It's we're not initiating love. No. Um, the Lord has initiated it. We're responding to the love that we've received and worship can look like, your any kind of service to the Lord, mm. an offering that you bring to Him, saying, "God, thank you for what you've done, who you are, your faithfulness, your goodness, your mercy, your kindness," and I'm bringing you an offering to you yeah. as a as an act of worship. I love that idea of response, and it's just it, it, in response can be 
like literally just just thanking God for the breath in our lungs, yeah. just the just the teeniest thing, or yeah. it could be praising for something grand and big that he's done in your life. Yep. It's all worship. Anything that you are giving back to him, yeah. it's that gift that you're giving, yes. right? It, it, it could be the widow's might, or it could be, you know, some grand offering, but yeah. it's, that, that is worship. Yeah, I love that. Yes. That's really cool. And, and I, we will talk about music and song, but I just, I wanted to make sure that we hit it at the forefront that, that worship doesn't necessarily have to be musical. It can be in any way, shape or form an offering. As you said, it could be a service. Yeah. Um, I read, I, I, I've talked about this book on this podcast a few times this year, and I'll talk about it again, I think later this year. Um, but, but my favorite book I've read this year is called On Getting Out of Bed. And it is talking about the struggles of anxiety and depression yeah. and how sometimes, in my favorite line, the line that has stuck with me, sometimes the greatest act of worship that we can give is to just take the next step. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I love how it's just, I don't have anything, yeah. but I'm giving whatever I have, even yeah. if it's just this one step. Yeah, you know, it's just the beautiful exchange. It's like we don't everything we have, we give it back to him, and and then he gives us something, and then we give it back to him. It's like this beautiful thing that we get to partner with the Lord on. Yeah, and that's that's all part of this relationship that that he created us to have with him. It's so cool, and that's what can be. I mean, I I don't want. I guess I'll go down this road now. It it can be sad to think of a life that isn't lived with God a life that is lived apart from him because not getting to enjoy that exchange, yeah, you know, not getting to give back to God, to, to praise God, you know, and worship yeah. in whatever way. Yeah. It, it's just, it's sad to think about that. That cycle just breaks when it comes yeah. back to us. It yeah. comes, it comes from God and then it just yeah. stops. Right. And, and then hard. we make it, we've, we make it about us and what we can do and the things that we have. And, we forget about the gift giver. Yeah. And we give our worship to him, but we first received a gift from him. Yeah. And so it's almost like neglecting the gift giver. Yeah. And mm. it's just it's just a, a horrible place to be if you're if you're doing that. Mm. So let's then dive into this topic of song. Yeah. What is it about song that le- that lends itself so well to the practice of worship? Yeah, I I love that question. I think the first thing is that it's biblical. Mm-hmm. Like worship with song is biblical. I think about Psalm 95. They'll let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. I think about Ephesians 5 and 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So it's biblical. It's, it's throughout Scripture, um, song intertwined with worship. And then second, I, I think about, you know, we're singing and songs can be very emotional, but it's not, the foundation isn't emotion. Um, so there's there's something about music, though, that opens your heart mm. to experience just the nuances of God. Yeah. And he's made us to be emotional beings, and we sense something when there's a song or when there's a certain chord structure, Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of research on like certain chord patterns and how they move 
you know, your body and your heart. The and, power of a key change. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just like, not to get too nerdy, but like a minor chord that's really dark, mm -hmm. but then it goes to a like a five suspended chord, yeah. which, and then it resolves and, you, and it moves you like in a certain way. So I think about like emotion and how God created us to have emotion and how a song can stir up emotion in you. But I think the, the thing we have to remember with a song in, in the practice of worship is that emotion is not the foundation of why we worship. Mm. Like putting Christ in his proper place, um, even in the song and the words that we sing and the emotion is is weaved throughout the experience, but we worship because he's worthy of worship. Yeah. You know, we worship because it's biblical. We worship because we'll be doing it for the rest of our lives through eternity. Yeah. But we don't do it because we get a feeling. And I think that's something that I've learned along the way. Well, I th no, that's a really important point, is the point of worship isn't to have your own personal experience. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know environments can be created and songs can be written in a way that provokes, you know, that almost like is trying to push towards yeah, that. Yeah. But that's not necessary. The simplest hymn yeah. can, can have just as much impact in a worship space yeah. as the most produced yeah. song yeah. that you could possibly think of. And the big part of it, I, I love how you focused on that was is it's about what you are offering to God. It's about the words. Yeah. It's about it's about you really taking ownership of those words yeah. in yourself. As you are, if you are in in a church service or in the car or wherever you are, and you are singing those words, those words aren't the songwriter's words anymore. Those yeah. words become your words. They're offered as prayers. Right, right. And most of the time, worship songs are are taken from scripture yeah, and they should most of the time I'm, ho <laughs> I'm hoping, but we're just trying to put melody to just biblical truth. Yeah. Things that, that we've been taught um, in Sunday school throughout, throughout church. And we're trying to give them back to the Lord as an, as an offering and remind ourselves of who God is yeah. and who we are in God. Um, but music can do that. Music can put that to memory because you remember melodies and yeah, and different song structures and stuff like that. Well, and I I love how that's how there is the offering, the encouragement that that it's okay to get emotional in yeah. songs. That it's it creates a space that says if you want to, like this song could be speaking to you in this moment, and it's yeah. okay to pour out. Yeah. It's okay to cry or to or to praise yeah. jubilation, whatever yeah. it is. And music has, an, has a special way of doing that. It has yeah. a way of allowing for that, right? Yeah. Like there is a reason that most films that you see have scores that yeah. go under it because yeah. it's driving the emotional themes of it. It's something that I didn't think about till right now is you ever, do you ever like hear a song and it brings, it's so nostalgic for you. Mm -hmm. I think about certain worship songs where I hear the song and it takes me back to a time in my life where I really experience firsthand the faithfulness of God. Mm. Sometimes songs serve as markers, yeah. you know, in our life of like, 
yeah, God was faithful then and he'll be faithful now. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of triggers like different moments in your life. Yeah. Because like, and that can happen with non-worship songs where it brings nostalgia and you think about, you know, different things in the past. But I I do think about that now as we're talking, like the emotional aspect of a worship song is sometimes it's markers of God's faithfulness in our life and how he's come through. Yes, like, you know, there's a reason why, like, when we do funerals, for example, oftentimes the family of the loved one who passed has songs that they want to play that make them think about their loved one. Yeah, And it's because, because we form these connections these memories, these alter moments of our yes. lives of like, this is a song that was powerful for me. Oh, I know yeah. for my wife, she has certain songs that were played while delivering our kids, you know, each yeah. of our kids. So there are is a song that is like, that's Ben's song. There's a song is that's yeah. Amy's song. There's a song that's Artie's song. Yeah. And that's just, um, and there's something powerful of that. Now for me, I grew up in musical theater. So for us- I didn't know that. There you go. I grew up in musical theater. <laughs> so so it, 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 we were always taught that but, but like a song in a musical is an overflow of the emotional moment or yeah. or has has driven the character to this point where they have to get yeah. something out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's something powerful if we looked at worship in a way of like I, I carry you know, especially if you're just thinking about it in terms of the of church service on Sunday morning. You've gone through this week. Who knows what you went through this week? Yeah. But then on Sunday, you come to this place where you can just be focused on God and you're just carrying out and the band starts playing or the choir starts singing. And you're just like, this is my overflow moment. (laughs) I get to give it all to God in this moment. (laughs) I love that. Uh, I wanted to talk about different types of songs, different styles, because I was thinking about this while I was prepping for our conversation and I was thinking about the different types of worship songs that we sing. There are songs of utter praise, right? Uh, the big one in our house right now. So full uh, full peel back of the Jason Curtain. What we like to do in my family <laughs> with our kids is have Jesus dance parties. Oh, awesome. So when things are, if, if the kids are going crazy, if something's happening or whatever it is, we say, <laughs> okay, we're going to stop and have a Jesus dance party. <laughs> so we put on, I love that. on, on the speakers loudly. And right now our, our go-to song is I thank God, Oh yes. right? Which is just the, so good. just is the best Jesus dance party. Yes. So there are songs of complete praise and jubilation where yeah. you're meant to dance around. Yeah. But then there are songs of lament that you just cry out to God. Yeah. Right. The song that I associate most with this is is Worn. Yeah. Um, which I just I I have a vivid memory of years ago at church that song being sung by Keely Reed on the piano. Just oh. I'm just like oh I remember this so, so well. So good. And so so there's these songs of praise jubilation. There's songs that have, of lament. But then there's also songs of a doxology. So songs that are just yeah. Talking to God about him. Yep. And just, you know, like, you know, um, what's the name of the song? It's, it's coming. It's, uh, well, there's a song called a doxology, but, right. <laughs> but those ones that are just talking about father, son, Holy yeah. spirit, Holy, you know, all this stuff. Trinity songs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Trinity. So can you talk about why it's important to have so many styles and incorporate yeah. different different frames of reference for songs. It's such a good thing to bring up because sometimes we have our preferences when it comes to music. Yeah. Um, speaking from the music lane, 
I think there's the the diversity in genre or sound, which I think is important because when we go to heaven, all tribes, all tongues mm-hmm. will be represented and we'll be joining in um, on that Revelation 4 song, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God yeah. Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so it's not going to sound like how we think it's going to sound. And so I think just the exposure to different sounds and different backgrounds is important because it will be like that in heaven. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of things we won't do for eternity, but we will be worshiping for eternity. And then the second thing is, and you kind of alluded to this, uh, like different lyrical styles or different approaches. Like some songs are meant to be vertical like we're ascribing honor and glory and power to Jesus, like we're singing to him, or we might be singing about him mm-hmm. to remind ourselves of who he is. Um, some songs are about the faithfulness of God. That helps us understand Jesus better as we move forward in our life. Um, some songs are meant to comfort us. Um, and I also lament. I think we don't sing I, I feel like we're missing lament mm. personally mm-hmm. in our in our worship spaces. That's something that I've really been thinking about personally. Mm. Um, and one and we have songs of benediction. I think about the blessing, yeah. which is incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so powerful to to sing a benediction over a room. Yeah, and for people to receive that. Um, so we have all these different types of songs, and I look at it like a well balanced diet. If I only sang songs about me yeah. and sometimes we can get in the habit of that's a bad habit of what can you do for me god mm. let me just sing all these me songs but then the problem is is we're getting the attention off the whole purpose of worship yeah to put jesus in his rightful place so i think a well-balanced diet just gives us a full perspective of god mm. he's worthy he's deserving of all the honor he also loves to he loves loving us mm-hmm. And there are benefits to our relationship with God, but he must be in his rightful place. And so I think there has to be a well balance, not just for the sake of our churches, but we don't want to be malnourished in worship. And we don't want our churches to be malnourished. We want, we want to sing about all the truths uh, that are found in scripture and kind of what you were saying earlier, the Trinity, like we want to touch on every facet the holy spirit god the father jesus we want to sing songs that have all three of them yeah because worship teaches us theology a lot of times our theology is formed for better or for worse on worship yeah. songs it's yeah can be and, true. and so uh, you know it's so it's really important to have a good balance mm. um and there's got to be uh more than one person thinking about that um i think about and I know we'll talk about this in a little bit with, yeah. with songwriting, but yeah. there's got to be, you know, checks and balances to making sure we're, what we're seeing, singing is accurate, but also that we're well balanced. Well, no, I know. I think that helps to dive into that a little bit right now, because I'm curious from your perspective as a songwriter who's been writing songs for Saddleback and beyond, you know, like, how do you think about what you want to write about how does that process kind of go from inspiration to inception to you know getting pen on paper yeah how does that all work 
I think the first thing is um, I always, it helps me to really be tethered to the vision of my lead pastor. Mm. So I'm studying my lead pastor. What is he saying in staff meetings and weekends? Mm. What's, what's coming up on his teaching calendar? Um, where is the Lord taking our church? Um, also, what's God saying to me in my quiet time with the Lord? That's where m- my songwriting is, is tethered to my quiet time with the Lord. Yeah. So what is God revealing to me in my quiet time? And just thinking about like our, our, our bank of songs, what's missing? Do we have enough fast songs? Do, mm-hmm. we, do we have enough songs about the faithfulness of God? Do we have enough songs about his mercy? Do we have enough songs about renewal, revival? Do we have enough songs about repentance? That's been where I've been in the last year of like surrender and repentance. We need more of those. Yeah. We need songs that teach us to put our lives on the altar again. So I think it's just being a student of the environment you're in mm. and figuring out what's missing um, and learning from others that are writing songs that are doing an incredible job. Um, but I think about that. I think, I think about, um, you know, the quiet time, but also understanding that songwriters are our prophets. Mm. We're partnering with the Lord in, in, in the prophetic in the sense that a lot of times you write songs that don't get released for a year, yeah. a year and a half. <laughs> and somehow they're, they're the right song for that next season. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that's an accident. And I don't believe that's like, Oh, we got lucky on that one. It's the <laughs> Lord was stirring something in me or in, in our songwriters. We have a lot of uh, really awesome songwriters at Saddleback that they're just being open-handed to what the Lord, where the Lord is leading our church. Mm-hmm. Um, but it starts with submission to the Lord, submission to leadership and yeah. making sure we're going in the same direction. No, I think that's, I think that's important context and it, it, it helps to reframe that is, is that your job as a worship leader at Saddleback is to partner with what God is doing here at Saddleback yeah. um, through song in this case. Yeah. And uh, I love that it can be seen as just this whole woven piece yeah. of what God is doing in a space at a time. And that's the same that's true for other worship leaders at other churches who engage with songwriting. Yeah is it's it's in that space at that time and God is putting a, a vision and a heart piece yeah. on that church at that time. And yeah. so we want to engage with that through song, just yeah. as we do through the sermon series, just yes. like we do through small group studies or whatever yeah. it is. And what is God stirring in, in all the ministries that we just need to capture it? Yeah. So I, I really believe that all of our ministries at Saddleback and any other church community Odds are God is stirring something in us, um, some some similar themes and, and things that we just need to market, and a great way to market is by a song. Well, it's and it's like how like a popular songwriters, you know, t- you know, take take any name that you want, yeah, in the mainstream songwriting. They're usually writing songs about what is going on in their life. Oh, so you yeah. can look back at their catalog yes. and point back to, well, this was happening then, this was happening then, this was happening then. Yes. And the same is true in the kingdom of God is yes. it can point back to, well, this is what was happening yes. in the life of the church then. And then well, and then. he's using 
God is using human beings, which yeah. this in and of <laughs> itself is is a total mystery to me <laughs> that like he was raised from the dead and he ascended to heaven and he was like, all right, you guys get to do it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's crazy to me, but, but it is, it's using our real life experiences and our testimonies become songs. Our testimonies become how we lead people who, who maybe are going through what we had gone through. I remember when Rick used to say, never waste a hurt. Yeah. It's the same thing with songwriting is like, if you go through a, something in your life and you experience healing, write about the healing. Yeah. Cause someone else might sing about it mm -hmm. and might also step into that healing. What do you think it is about certain songs that catch the zeitgeist? You know, like, yeah. you know, you mentioned the blessing when that one came out, it was like, yeah, it was like, Whoa, this song is ever, you know, is so yeah. great. And, and that's, and that can be true of, of some songs, not every song catches. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm just curious what it is in your mind. Do you think that makes some songs like stand out that all churches end up singing yeah. this song for a while? Yeah. Right. Definitely. I'm not going to pretend I know all the answers about that or that I fully know how that works. Um, but it does seem right that there are, there are some songs that, that, that feels like there's an anointing on it yeah, and that it, it just kind of catches and God breathes on it in a, in a unique way. Um, I think some songs I, I know for me, I write a lot of songs that no one will ever hear. And, and I remember Andy Rozier told me one time in a, in a time of writing, he said, if, if this song was only meant to bless the Lord today, yeah. then it was a, it was, it worth was time worth, it was well spent. Oh yeah. And so I do, I, it makes me think about like, there's a lot of songs that are written to bless the Lord mm. and to sense his presence that day. And then there are some songs that God seems to breathe on it because it needs to be, it needs to go outside of the four walls of, the, of that church. Yeah. Or it might be a theme or it might be just a word that, the capital C church needs for yeah. such a time as this. And I, I don't know how it works. <laughs> it's such a mystery to me, but that's how, it, that's how it seems. And sometimes we just embrace the mystery of how the spirit Exa wants to work. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The spirit of God does whatever. Cause I just, and I find it fascinating that there are some songs written so long ago, right? Like I think about heart of worship yeah, or a shout to the Lord yes. or holy, holy, you know, or, Revelation song, yes, like that. These were written a long time ago, and even go back to old hymns, right? Yes, it is well. Um, you know, um, how great thou art. These songs, yes, still continue to this day, yes. and people still learn them and know them, and yes. a whole church can start singing them yes. all together. I and agree could, more. people who've been in church for a long time, people who are newer in church, for some reason, everybody seems to know these songs, yeah. and it's. I think that's really. I, I, again, I, I, I like you. I don't know how to fully capture it yeah. or encapsulate it, but some, it's just, God said, I'm, I'm going to just keep this yeah. as a part of the soundtrack of the church yeah, for a long season. It's not a formula. And I think, yeah. I think, you know, I don't know what it is. It's a, I, I, I am imagining it's a combination of things, but it's ultimately what the Lord wants to do yeah. with the song and how, how is it going to, expand his kingdom and how is it going to bless him mm. first and foremost yeah draw people to himself um but it's a mystery it's it's kind of fun 
well, it, it makes it it gives you that awe and that sense of just deep, deep gratitude and appreciation that God knows us so well to know what we will need wow. in order to think about him the way he wants us to, in order to give him what he knows we need to give him. Yeah. And that's something that's so cool. And he gives songs as a big way of that. Yeah. Like for me, I have a lot easier time memorizing songs yeah. Then I do scripture. I know I shouldn't say that, <laughs> but it's it's true. I don't for, for some reason I just have a so, so much easier time. Yeah. But songs can be that like yeah. you, you know we talk a lot about how it's important to memorize scripture because they can be um used as arrows in your quiver almost yeah. when things come up in life. Yep. You can put a scripture to it, yeah. which is very true. But the same can also be true of songs which are largely, as you said, based in scripture. Most yeah. of them are taken from scripture and yeah. just put to music and said in a different way. Yeah. Um, so for me, I have an easier time with songs than I can just, as I said, I, I can go to warn if I'm feeling tired and I yes. can say I'm tired and worn and my heart is heavy. I feel, yeah. you know, um, so I just, anyway, that's yeah. a little aside, no, but that's good. That's good. <laughs> I wanted to, Touch briefly about just the role of the worship leader in a church. Yeah. So, yeah, like pretty much every church has a worship leader. Even the smallest churches, they have a senior pastor, they have a kids person, and they have a worship leader. Yeah. Right. So, how do you how do you think of the role of a worship leader? How do you approach? Yeah. That role. Yeah. I I think worship leaders are hosts. Mm. I think our job is to first and foremost, host the Lord, asking the Lord to be welcomed, to take the center stage, um, to bless the Lord and to invite him into that space. He's already there, but for to invite him to be in full control mm. and to take all the glory. And then we're hosting people. And I think it's kind of, we've talked a lot about We've talked about this in Saddleback Worship where um, we're at Saddleback, we're very aware of the different people in the room, people mm -hmm. who have been walking with the Lord a long time or people who have just met the Lord, yeah. people who are searching, all types of people coming through the doors. We're hosting them. We're, it's like when people come over your house for like dinner. We're going to tidy up the house. We're going to maybe put away the plastic silverware and cups and maybe bring out some glass and yeah. and different things and set the table. That's what we're doing at our worship services. We're pointing we're pointing people to the Lord, but we're hosting them along the way. Mm. And we're sh we're showing them maybe new things about Jesus that they didn't know and also teaching them to vertically worship him. Yeah. And um I think I think about that a lot and I think about you know the difference between hosting and cheerleading mm. and I and I I I I just think there's a difference there's a difference between inviting people into a space where they can encounter the Lord and trying to force people to encounter the Lord <laughs> sure you know um but yeah I like the idea of making um as you said that hosting idea, you know, that idea of making space, making allowance for saying, 
maybe you've never realized that you can worship God in this way. Yeah. And creating these different environments for that, right? Like yeah. I, I think about um, every so often when when at Saddleback we do House of the Lord yeah. and we bring out the big inflatable yeah. balls yeah. and that it's okay to have fun yeah. praising God. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, we can you know, have times where, where you guys on stage just end up on your knees because yeah. you've been driven to this place of just, I want to be at the foot of the cross in this moment. Yeah. yeah. Or it could be that, you know, it's the night of worship or the service that gets extended out because yeah. God's doing something in the space yeah. and we're just going to keep playing, yeah. keep making allowance. Yeah. And there's, I know that I, I've talked to people from other churches where I describe these things and they say, ah, oh, you know, I wish, I wish we entertained that yeah. because sometimes we can find ourselves in this place of we have to be buttoned up. We have to present ourselves a yeah. specific way yeah. before God. It has to be all reverence all the time mm. and reverence. Yeah, it's important, but reverence doesn't mean that it has to be stodgy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? All that reverence means is revering God. Right. And what that looks like is offering him worship. Yeah. In whatever way, shape, or form that that comes out, if it's spirit led and you're doing it in partnership with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you, yeah, it's worship and yeah. it is it is holy, it is praiseworthy to yeah. God. It doesn't matter if you're bouncing inflatable balls right. above your head or you are joined in an a cappella chorus singing a classic hymn. Yeah. <laughs> I think about John twelve thirty two. When I when when it says when I am lifted up from the earth, you know, I will draw all people to myself. Mm. And I think about the worship leader is lifting him up yeah. so that he can do the drawing. Mm. And I think as worship leaders, I know I've fallen into this trap of I feel like I'm supposed to lift him up and draw people. Mm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like yeah. I'm trying to do I'm trying to do both when I was never created to do both. Mm -hmm. And I was never equipped yeah. to do both. I can't draw people. I can only lift up the person who's supposed to do the drawing. And that's Jesus. I think that genuine praise and worship is magnetic. Yeah. Right? It is. And that's what's so, that's what's, it's, and that's that attraction comes from that. It comes from, it's saying, it, 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 that come and see idea Yeah, is a part of like, we are engaged in just genuine love of God. Yeah. And being, we talk about this too on team is being lead worshipers. Yeah. Like we actually stopped using worship leader mm -hmm. internally as a team. We just started saying lead worshipers. There's something about like when a worship leader on stage, he or she is, they're just so in love with the Lord mm -hmm. and you can be, and it's almost like you're watching this worship leader encounter the Lord and they've, they've spent hours with the Lord mm -hmm. and there's something so like, I want what that person has. And that's part of worship leading that I've seen really effective when someone is just so in love with the Lord and maybe they haven't done many, maybe they don't have as much experience Maybe they weren't even wanting to be up there. Someone pushed them to the front of the stage because they have something on their life. Yeah, yeah. That's really attractive. Mm -hmm. And that makes me want to worship yeah. when I see that. Mm. So in all of your time now as a worship leader or lead worshiper engaged with 
with this topic of worship. How has your views or maybe your thoughts changed about mm. what worship is or how we approach it? Man, I, sometimes it's hard to... It's Sometimes I can only think about it seasonally. Sure. Like right now, for the past year, I keep thinking about um, that story of Abraham when he's asked to sacrifice his son. Mm-hmm. Um and Abraham is, um, did I say the scripture of it? You didn't reference. I didn't reference the scripture. Genesis. Yeah. When, when he, when, when he's asked to, when he's asked to sacrifice his son and right before, um, his hand is stopped mm-hmm. and, and then a ram is caught in the thicket and there, and it's like so insane how Abraham was so willing mm-hmm. to do that. And so the last year, my worship has felt sacrificial, mm. like the Lord asking me, what are you willing to put on the altar? Mm. Are you willing to put it all on the altar? I know it's getting like really deep and, 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 <laughs> and serious, but there's something about, about worship when you have to put it all on the altar again. Mm. I think about Second uh, Samuel um, when David um, says, I, I won't give, give, give what that hasn't cost me anything. Mm. Like he's offered this offering to yeah. give for free, but he denies it because he says, yeah, I have to pay for this. That's the cost. Yeah. There's a cost and there's something beautiful that happens when there's a cost mm. because you're, you're so you're showing yourself faithful, but you're, I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like you're emptying yourself to be refilled again. And I think that's kind of where I've been, honestly, is, you know, when the eyes of the Lord, Second Chronicles, when the eyes of the Lord um, range throughout the earth and he's looking for those hearts that are fully committed to him, I want him to see me. Yeah. I want him to see me fully available. Mm. And that means putting it all on the altar again. And I think in worship, um, that's what it is, right? It's giving your body as a living sacrifice. It's saying, God, you you don't get to have 80% of me. You have 100% of me. Mm. Can you imagine what God would do with his church if everyone was just fully available? That would be yeah. incredible. Like mm-hmm. we would we would see revival. We would see renewal. But that's kind, that's kind of... That's kind of where I've been lately mm. is that sacrificial worship. Um, and so a lot of songs around surrender have been yeah. boiling up in me and the team. And so that's where I've seen worship in my life recently. I hope you've copyrighted that uh, song title, All on the Altar Again. Oh, <laughs> It sounds like a great song title, right? Should, There's Come we, to the Altar. We should, we should write it after this. There's, there we go. <laughs> you have Come to the Altar, but now you have All on the Altar again. Yeah. I think it sounds, I think you got the uh, title right there. there you go. I just, that's kind of where you asked, like, how has it changed for me yeah. lately? Like, I just, I've seen God do stuff in my life um, when I've, when I've just given him full permission. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we want the, we want Jesus to co-manage our life. Yeah, we want to be the co-managers, mm-hmm. and the Lord's 
the Lord only has, he has to be fully the manager. (laughs) (laughs) He has to be in complete control because his, his purposes for our life can only be carried out into completion if he's allowing us to let him navigate it. Mm. And, um, it's really painful. I, I will say like this year of, of that sacrificial worship has some, there's been some really difficult seasons in that in releasing things that I've tried to hold on to. Mm. Um, but the beautiful thing about the altar is that he's at the altar. Yeah. Like that's where he is. Yeah. So it's almost this backwards thinking of like, when I come to the altar and I lay it down, it's like, I'm right there with him. He's waiting for me there. Mm. Um, and so there's a freedom in knowing that as I give those things up, he's there and his presence is, is so apparent. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've really enjoyed talking about, about worship. Oh, man. You. <laughs> Thanks for letting me come by. This has been a lot of fun. Um, well, Josh, really, th- really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And, Thank uh, you, brother. And I'll put links in the show notes to the recent um, releases from Saddleback Worship. Yeah. Um, so, so you can find all those on you know, Spotify, Apple, you know, wherever, yep. but, or just click on the links in the show notes. Yeah. And the new album is coming in February, 2024. There we go. And you'll, you'll, you'll be able to see the correlation. It's, it's an album around surrender. There you go. It's, well, it's uh, you know, all that I know yeah. is a song of surrender. Christ forever is, is the title of yeah. the album a song of surrender. Mm-hmm. I really felt like our church went through a, a season of transition with new lead pastor and pastor Andy. One of the first things he said was Jesus was going to be the hero of yeah. the Saddleback story and this reclaiming the altar and putting everything on it so that Jesus can do in Saddleback what he wants to do. Mm. So that's what the album's about. So that's why it's so it's, it, it's, it's, it's just overflowing this. through it. No, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's great. I loved when you guys released Alive and Well, when we did the episode where we had a bunch of yeah. you guys on to talk about yes. the different songs from that. I so, love that. so we'll have to do something similar we should, we should. with Christ Forever when it comes out. Perfect. Well, Josh, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Now let's look at some next steps out of this episode. First, listen to songs of worship. As you are listening, think about what that songwriter must have been praying through at the time to write this song. Talk with God about what it was that he was inspiring in this song and what he may want you to learn through that song today. Second, think of some other ways that you offer gifts to God. And remember, everything you do, if done with and for God, can be worship. I want to thank My guest today, Josh Miller. My name is Jason Whelan, and this has been Doable Discipleship. We'll be back with you again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. 
Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Mm-hmm.